Welcome to the Gut Podcast. I'm Mary McLean, Senior Lecturer and Consultant in Gastroenterology at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, UK. And in my capacity as Education Editor, I'm hosting this podcast today. This month, I'm discussing the Editor's Choice Manuscript from the October 2017 issue entitled Fibroblast Growth Factor 1519 Protects from Diet-Induced Hepatic Steatosis development of an FGF19-based chimeric molecule to promote fatty liver regeneration. And I'm delighted to welcome the senior authors of the article here today, Professor Matthias Avila and Professor Carmen Beresin from the University of Navarra, Papaloma in Spain. So thanks for joining the podcast. So we're facing a global epidemic of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease with associated consequences of fibrosis and cirrhosis linked to the increase in obesity and metabolic syndromes. So firstly, can you explain the pathogenesis of the spectrum of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or NAFLD with regard to accumulation of hepatic fat and the regulatory pathways that drive this pathogenesis? Yes, this is a key point in, in, in our uh, Western society today. Uh, this is indeed an epidemic of uh, obesity and uh, uh, the development of fatty liver is a hepatic manifestation of the metabolic syndrome. And uh, for, um, behind the term NAFLD or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, we have a whole spectrum of, of uh, histological and cellular alterations in, in the liver that uh, range from the apparently harmless deposition of fat, steatosis, towards more advanced uh, stages in which uh, the, we can uh, uh, observe uh, cellular damage, uh, inflammation, and also uh, the development of fibrosis, which is a serious complications uh, in, in the progression of the disease. Um, all this is uh, linked to multifactorial uh, aspects uh, involved in the lipid metabolism and uh, biochemical alterations and inflammatory uh, pathways. Uh, the, the process, uh, the, the position of fat in the liver may um, start uh, accompanying the, 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 the acquisition of uh, obesity and uh, uh, there is an increased flux of fatty acids into the liver that mainly derive from peripheral lipolysis. And the development of insulin resistance in the adipose tissue is um, big uh, complication of uh, obesity and uh, this uh, results as I said an increased availability of fatty acids in the liver. This together with enhanced uh, fatty acids or lipid synthesis and also with the impact of uh, dietary intake of fat and results in the accumulation of, of uh, substantial amounts of, of fat in, in the hepatocytes. This is a, a problem that, uh, you know, in the beginning of the, of the, of the progression of the disease is just uh, accumulation of fat, but uh, uh, then uh, we have uh, insulin resistance that uh, starting in the, in, in the adipose tissue and then extending to the liver and, um, uh, you know, consequences of this uh, impair ability to, to handle such amount, big amounts of fat. Uh, we have uh, cellular damage, we have apopt apoptosis of hepatocytes and uh, other uh, processes that contribute, uh, including uh, and development of an, an endoplasmic reticulum stress. And, and this, um, in, in, the, in the long run, may, may, may foster the development of fibrosis, as I said, and, and in, in, in more advanced stages, uh, uh, this fibrosis may be associated to, to increased risk of death and the development of parcellular uh, carcinoma. So it is uh, indeed a, a complex spectrum of, of um, molecular and metabolic and cellular alterations that uh, is increasingly being recognized 
as, as a you know, serious uh, cause of mor morbidity and mortality in our population. Well, thank you for that very succinct um, summary of a very complex pathogenesis. So now I'm going to move on to your colleague and ask her some questions on the actual hormone you focused on. So I'd like to welcome um, Professor Cameron Beresain to the, to the discussion. Hello. So your paper focuses on the hormone fibroblast growth factor 1519, or FGF 1519 for short. So can you tell us about this hormone and its role in normal physiology? Uh, yes, FGF-15 in rodent, 19 in human, is a member of the endocrine subgroup of FGFs, which also includes FGF-21 and FGF-23. It is expressed normally in intestinal epithelium and released to the portal circulation after meal. Its expression in enterocytes can be induced by acids binding to the FXR. FGF-1519 contributes to the regulation of bile acid synthesis in the liver through the repression of CYP7A1 gene expression, the rate-limiting enzyme in the bile acid synthesis pathway. AGF-1519 also regulates glucose metabolism, inhibiting gluconeogenesis and stimulating glycogen synthesis, and it's also, a, a very strong positive has also a very posi a strong positive effect on liver protein synthesis. Uh, it, it is known also that pharmacological and transgenic administration of FGF19 reduces lipogenesis in the liver and increases beta oxidation. And also, pharmacological and transgenic FGF19 protects mice from diet-induced obesity and the development of fatty acids. However, the role of endogenous FGF-15 in lipid metabolism was not known. So what was previously known of this hormone expression and regulation in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? Uh, yes, the previous studies in the past few years described that postpandrial circulation levels of FGF-19 were reduced in obese uh, NAFLD patients compared to healthy individuals. We have confirmed this result in our study. A reduced response of liver to FGF19 mediated inhibition of bile acid synthesis in NAFLD patients has been also shown. As recently uh, published also in GAT, an increase in FX our antagonistic bilases found in NAFLD patients could account for the reduced levels, serum levels of FGF19 in these patients. So in your current study, you show a critical role of endogenous FGF15 in response to diet-induced hepatic steatosis. So how did you assess this and what did you find? Okay, you know, after the uh, previous studies mentioned by, by my colleague, in which the pharmacological administration of FGF19 had an impact on, on, on lipid metabolism, we decided to, to assess directly the role of endogenous uh, FGF15. So taking advantage of a knockout uh, mouse model, uh, we compared the response of this knockout mouse model and a wild-type counterpart to the uh, feeding of a high-fat diet, a diet enriched with 60% of calories in the form of fat, and uh, with the corresponding control groups with a chow diet. And what we found was that while under the chow diet, uh, FEF15 deficient mice showed reduced uh, 
weight gain along two weeks of study period, uh, in the in the high fat diet groups, we had the totally opposite response. The knockout mice, the FGF15 deficient mice, they they had they displayed increased uh, weight gain, and that was mainly uh, the consequence of increased fat accumulation. You know, peripheral fat, and uh, uh, when we look at the, these animals in more detail, we found that they they had uh, developed uh, you know a significant uh, steatosis, hepatosteatosis, and a fatty and uh, fat accumulation in in the liver compared with the with the wild type animals. So that indeed uh, indicated that in the absence of this of this uh, hormone this uh, gut-derived hormone, and the ability to, to respond, to handle, to adapt to a high-fat diet was severely compromised. So a key downstream transcription factor target was PPAR gamma-2. Tell us more about this. PPAR gamma-2 is a variant generated through alternative promoter usage and alternative splicing. It's expressed normally, it's, it's expressed and is normally restricted to adipose tissue. And under a high-fat diet, PPAR gamma-2 expression can be induced in hepatocytes and in other non-adipogenic tissues. It has been demonstrated that it can participate in the development of fatty liver. Lipid accumulation under conditions of diet-induced steatosis has been shown to depend on PPAR gamma-2 upregulation. Indeed, PPAR gamma-2 regulates the expression of genes involved in the accumulation of fatty acids, in the liver and triglyceride synthesis, uh, including uh, genes such as CD36 or fatty acid translocase and the enzyme involved in triglyceride synthesis, MOGAT. The regulation of PEPAR gamma expression in the liver is not completely understood. Uh, we identify FGF1519 as the first physiological signal involved in dietary regulation of PEPAR gamma expression in the liver. We found that in obese uh, NAFLD patients who show reduced levels of circulating FGF19, the hepatic expression of PEPAR gamma 2 was higher than in age and sex match lean individuals. So FGF1519 was identified as an ER stress response gene. You characterized the biological significance of increased expression of FGF15 with regard to the cellular stress response. So can you explain your experimental approach and the main findings? Yes, this is a very interesting point in, in, in our study. You know that one of the consequences of increased lipid availability and, and fatty acid availability in, 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 in the liver uh, in, in, in the context of, of NAFLD is the development of ER stress. And, uh, and these uh, ER stress may be uh, linked, I mean, a protracted manifestation of ER stress may be linked to injury. So, I mean, uh, on the other hand, there were some um, previous reports showing that um, FEF15 itself uh, could be a gene that responded in its expression to uh, the development of ER stress. In fact, it had been observed that in, in the ileum of, of mice uh, administered with the chemical inducers of, of uh, ER stress, such as tunicamycin, uh, there was a clear and, and you know, potent induction of FEF15 in, 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 in the gut at this level uh, that was independent of FXR. So that indeed told us that uh, this this hormone was uh, you know a natural responder to these to these uh, cellular 
uh, phenomenon of ER stress. So um, we decided to, to test whether uh, FEF15 in, 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 in the mouse could be also uh, induced in, in, in the ileal level in the gut in response to, to a, a diet uh, that was uh, enriched in, in free fatty acids, particularly in parmitic acids, which are very well known to, to induce ER stress. Uh, so, you know, this would be a more physiological uh, response than that uh, observed with the chemical inducer of ER stress. So we fed the mice with the, um, a bolus of this uh, liquid diet, and uh, we saw that, uh, uh, of course, we detected a peak uh, of FEF15 induction uh, between 30 and, and 60 minutes, around 60 minutes after after the, the, the bolus of, of a nutrient mixture. But in those mice that had received the, the palmitic acid-rich uh, bolus, they, they showed a, a sustained um, induction of FEF15 uh, expression in their gut uh, that was uh, accompanied by the detection of ER stress-associated uh, signals and genes and in, at this level. And uh, also we, we found uh, the expression of these ER-responsive genes in, in, in the liver of these animals. So uh, this somehow told us that uh, in the face of, uh, of feeding the mice with a, with a high uh, fatty acid containing diet uh, uh, that caused ER stress in the gut, we, we had indeed an overexpression of, of this hormone. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we also uh, determined in, in in vitro studies that uh, when uh, liver cells were, were treated with um, the concentration of palmitic acid that are compatible with those found in in in, in fatty livers and in experimental models and, and in patients, we had a cytotoxic effect, which is better known as lipotoxic effect, and we could protect these uh, uh, the cells, the liver cells, from lipotoxicity induced by palmitic acid by treating with uh, FEF19. Uh, so uh, this fact together with the with the previous findings showing that the receptor of the co-receptor of FEF1519 in the level with is the protein beta cloto uh, is also an uh, ER stress uh, uh, responding gene uh, that, that suggested and and you know in the collective uh, view of, of our data that uh, perhaps this uh, upregulation of of FEF15 in the gut in response to a high fat ER inducing diet could be part of, of an adaptive response, you know, between the gut and the liver, you know, uh, in the face of, of a challenging high-fat-containing diet. You had increased induction of ABF15 in the gut, and it traveled to the liver through the portal circulation, and you can have uh, additional protection of the liver tissue, you know, from the uh, potential harmful effects of these, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, high administration of, of uh, fatty acid-containing uh, uh, diet. So. And this is, you know, one of you know the the the, the take-home messages from from other studies that we could propose for this for this factor. So you then went on to develop a chimeric FGF19 fusion protein coupled to APOE1, termed 5-APO. So how was this synthesized, and how did you evaluate its biological activity? Yes, I mean, in, in, in our department, we had had previous experience with the, the generation of, of these uh, chimeric uh, molecules, uh, particularly uh, with uh, this APOA1 moiety. Um, the, the idea does, was to, to produce, um, uh, you, know, um, you know, chimeric molecule encompassing or fibrous growth factor 19 
plus APOE1 coupled to the C terminus of this protein. This is uh, synthesized by, by recombinant DNA technology and expressed in, in bacteria, so we can produce the, the, the chimeric protein. The um, uh, idea of having these chimeras uh, is, is uh, at least twofold. On one hand, by coupling the APOE1 moiety to our protein of interest, we, we will extend the half-life in circulation of our protein. FEF19 has a relatively short half-life in circulation due to the high glomerular filtration rate. So uh, it was important, you know, if we wanted to, 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 to move forward to the clinical application of this, of this uh, factor, of this hormone, it would be interesting to, to have an extended half-life so if, you know, we, we will not need to, to do uh, repeated administrations of the, of, the, of the protein. And the other uh, uh, important aspect of, of these uh, chimeras is that the, through the APOA1 moiety, these uh, proteins get incorporated into the uh, HDL uh, compartment of the serum lipoproteins. And uh, through the APOA1 moiety, these uh, chimeric molecules are um, uh, targeted to the liver because the APOA1 uh, fraction of the protein can interact with uh, uh, HDL receptors in the surface of the hepatocytes, like uh, the scavenger receptor uh, class B type 1. So, I mean, through that way, we, we in, in enhance or improve the pharmacokinetic uh, properties of, of our, our molecule of interest. And then after this, after demonstrating that we indeed had increased the half-life of the protein, we, uh, we, of course, we had to check that the, 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 the chimeric factor had uh, preserved the biological activity. So we tested, you know, the um, key uh, biological activities of FEF19 in mouse models. So we could uh, demonstrate that the FEF19 in this chimeric version still repressed the expression of CYP71, the key enzyme in bile acid synthesis, and it also has a very uh, potent effect on, 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 on uh, the levels of uh, fat in, in the liver of, of model uh, animals as, such as DVDV mice or uh, mice that have been better half a diet. So we had increased or improved pharmacokinetic properties and still a very good uh, pharmacological activity. You then characterized the therapeutic potential of this novel fusion protein in mouse models of fatty liver disease. So tell us what you found. Okay, so after showing that uh, indeed we, we had uh, um, a very good uh, pharmacological activity and improved pharmacokinetics, uh, we decided to test uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the effect of, of, of our chimera in, in a model that somehow could reproduce the future application of this, of this uh, chimeric protein of Fibapo. So uh, what we did was uh, we administered uh, this recombinant protein uh, to a mouse model, the DBDB mice, which are obese mice that have they develop steatosis and ER stress in the liver. <clears throat> and um, when uh, we treated the mice with uh, uh, our chimeric protein and with all you know all the other controls like APOA1 alone or IVF19 alone or saline serum controls. And this, after three administration, three consecutive administration of the protein, these mice were subjected to partial hepatectomy. It's a regular model of two-thirds partial hepatectomy. And it was already known that uh, when you perform partial hepatectomy in, in DBDB mice, uh, the survival of these mice is markedly reduced. After, after the intervention in the first two days, you may have around 50% mortality. So what we observed was that the mice that had been pretreated 
with Fibapo uh, and, and then underwent partial hepatectomy, they showed a, a very good survival, uh, actually the same survival as lean mice. And that was accompanied also by a marked uh, um, you know, pro-regenerative effect in, in, in the livers of these mice. We had an increased liver index, increased DNA synthesis, and you know, mechanistically, you know, we believe that there are several uh, pathways involved. But uh, perhaps one of the of the key effects uh, uh, could be that uh, uh, prior to the to the hepatectomy, you reduce the triglyceride levels in the liver of these mice, and also the you know um, abnormally enhanced levels of bile acids in in, in trepatic that you find in in these animals. So that's part of the of the. Of the reason why why this this uh, intervention had a very positive effect on liver regeneration. So finally, what is the next step for the development of this novel, exciting therapeutic, and how do you plan to translate this mouse data to human disease? Okay, uh, we have uh, you know since. Uh, we completed this, this work. We have performed uh, um, further experiments, additional studies. Uh, we could also uh, show that uh, a similar intervention to which we, uh, the, the one I just described, the pre-administration of, of uh, Fibapo uh, to, to mice and then uh, performing partial hepatectomy. In this case, what we did was to, to use another model in which uh, it is um, uh, consisting on, on, in, in, in a partial hepatectomy performed in, in aged mice. You know, older individuals is known that, are known that uh, they, they, they have an imperial regeneration after partial hepatectomy. And this is a situation that we may also find in the clinic, you know, when partial hepatectomy needs to be performing aged individuals and, and in this in this case uh, we also uh, observe a very positive effect on, on liver regeneration uh, in part due to the reduction of steatosis that is also observed in, in, in aged individuals so this one one aspect you know we have confirmed our the activity the biological activity uh, in, in, in in another model uh, what we want to do now um, before moving forward is also to to evaluate the the, the potential um, the protective effect uh, of uh, our chimeric molecule of FIBAPO in the context of um, ischemia reperfusion injury in in also in in aged animals or in animals that have uh, uh, some degree of steatosis because this is also another circumstances that that is found in the clinic you know when then uh, interventions or resections need to be performed on 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 aged individuals or on fatty livers that uh, need to undergo ischemia reperfusion during the surgical process so after we complete these studies uh, our next uh, uh, aim could be to test the, the the efficacy of this molecule in in uh, liver resection performed in larger animals so we would like to do um, similar experiments in in in, in rabbits least you know to, to to know if if we can scale up you know the the the, the, the results and observe similar uh, protective effects uh, before you know moving forward to to do additional um, toxicological or and, and safety studies you know before moving on to, to potential application in the clinic well, certainly I look forward to, to looking at the progress of this over time. Um, it's a very exciting development. So, well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. And I'd just like to thank Professor Matthias Avila and Professor Carmen Beresain for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.